This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Wes Michael. Wes is the mind behind a rare patient voice. His current love has been listed on the Inc. 5000 in 2021 as one of the fastest growing companies in the U.S. He's an entrepreneur, an educator, an entertainer, a singer, and an authentic <laughs> human being, and he's here to share his vision with us today. Wes, it is my pleasure to have you on today. Well, Vince, great to be here. Hi there, and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast, Leave Your Mark, with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it, it's Cortez. If freeze and chop is in it, it's Cortez. Leave Your Mark is about inspiring the world, one guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb, it's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. Well, you are a very multi-talented man besides heavily <laughs> educated. Um, I, I want to share with the audience because the, in this era of artificial intelligence, yours is one where it's more of a traditional or culturally speaking, how we were we were brought up with the high level of education. I mean, you got uh, degrees on all levels and you're now blended with the internet. So I want to touch on that a little bit later, but okay. what you've got in the way of experience and the artificial intelligence coming together at the same time is just brilliant. And I can understand why Inc. Magazine is sharing your story. So that being said, we won't touch on you were a Pennsylvania boy, uh -huh. born and raised in media PA, and your father, Ken, was a teacher, a principal, and an administrator, and your mother, Alice, was a homemaker and then turned entrepreneur later on, and you had a brother, Pete, and a sister, Becky, and they, but, well, Becky, you said, works with you now, and your brother was attorney general, and what was the state that that was uh, in? Wyoming. Wyoming, attorney general, just recently retired. So this is a, a wonderful family. What was one of your fondest memories in, in your childhood growing up in that household? Oh, geez. Um, you know, especially in this season, you think of Christmas morning, you know, <laughs> and sneaking downstairs and seeing there's always a big present that wasn't wrapped because it was a bike or a sled or something. or And then really just, yeah, God, summer days where you could go all over the neighborhood and play with neighbors and go to the creek or go to the ball field or go to the toy store and ride or walk and nobody seemed to be worried about us. Little different than today, huh? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm tracking so, everybody on my iPhone now. You had a very nice, peaceful neighborhood. So now you you go to uh, Pencrest Lions High School. Right, right. where you have some activities. You're involved in the National Honor Society and you play football. Uh -huh. uh, what position on the football field did you play? I was a defensive end and a, and a tackle. Not not what you call skill positions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I'm from Pittsburgh. You know, I know you got to be a Raven fan being in Baltimore, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, RTJ Watt guy's a defensive end. He knows how to whoop it up over there. Oh, so. had more skill than, than I certainly have. <laughs> 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 so now you go on you graduate and you go university of pennsylvania in 79 through 75 and you graduate summa cum laude the english major yeah and this is uh your fraternity fella phi beta kappa and in a year there in 77 and 78 how do you sneak over to emberg 
England and get a year of schooling in. How did you do that? Yeah, yeah. They they had just started this program, you know, um, uh, Penn, Penn and Edinburgh, where you could go over there, and 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 your grades would count and everything. So it was cool. So I took advantage of that and and, and went over there and uh, immersed myself in Scottish culture. <laughs> now, yeah, you did. So you said you're in cross country over there, and um, share with uh, with me what Hares and Hounds is over there. And yeah, so Hares and Hounds was the name of the the university cross country team, and it was run by the students themselves. I mean, you know, we got money, I guess, from the university, but They'd organize the trip every week weekend uh, to go to another university or to host a, a host university and have cross country meets, and then afterwards you you do the pub crawl, you go around and uh, and the pub crawls there. You, you have they sing songs and everything. So uh, now, how, how long is something like a pub crawl last? You could hit quite a few pubs. Well, over. you know the, the the good news and the bad news. The good news is in those days things closed at like ten or maybe eleven on Saturday. So. You think that's early. So you got to, you had to start early. You had to start at seven, but the good news is you got a full night's sleep. So by the next day you were feeling okay. Okay. <laughs> well, the bounce back is much better at that age. When you get yeah, that's up. true. So more sleep and younger age. Uh, don't, don't ask me to do that now. Now you, you go on after graduating, you go to university of Chicago Booth school of business and get an NBA right. and marketing is statistics. So, this is the beginning of a, a career of corporate level research. Uh-huh. And that brings us up to your rare patient voice. So I want to ask you, uh, with your experience, pre-artificial intelligence, when you're getting your thoughts in your head, how you're going to cultivate what you're doing with all the experience and, and the wonderful beauty of the internet and how you can reach out and Talk to people. How how did you start coming together with the idea of doing the uh, the rare patient voice? I had just moved into the healthcare field. I was didn't really know. I was from the consumer. I knew consumers. I knew people that ate Cheerios, right? Things like that. And I was in the healthcare field. And a client came to us and said, "We're in the hemophilia space. There's only a few thousand patients in the whole country, but they're very valuable to us. We want to do surveys, interviews, learn more what they think. Can you build us a panel, a group?" of these folks that we can reach out to and talk to throughout the year. And so we went to the hemophilia conference and set up a table. This was, it was in the nineties. So the internet was around, but this was all done paper and pencil. Um, Met people and explained to them. I said, what are you talking about? I say, Hey, look, you you can do surveys. You can share your opinions. It's confidential. You get paid. And it worked. We signed people up and the client would come to us and say, let's do surveys. Let's do interviews. Let's understand their feelings. Let's so they can market their product better. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their, their treatment for hemophilia. And that was all well and good, but every year we go back to the hemophilia conference. So two or three years later, somebody came up to me from a different client company, a different hemophilia company. And they said, hey, we hear you have this patient panel. Can we access it? And I said, well, no, you know, it's one company pays for it. You can't give it to another company. But that got me thinking, why not create a panel, a group of people that's not restricted to any one company that you can give opportunities across lots of different surveys and interviews. That was the idea. So it was just came out of the blue based on that. And, and, and I had it in my head for many years. My, I would tell my wife, someday I'm going to do this. But for many years, I didn't because I was busy doing other things. To me, it felt like when I was watching it, um, it just is brilliant from the standpoint of what you've created where the client base, the patient, the caregiver who's providing the story are going to be the folks to build the platform. Yeah. 
And so it had that, like, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this sounds like this is how Facebook became, like, it was supposed to be an inner campus uh, line of communication amongst uh -huh. people. And you butt into, well, let's make it more robust. And, and all of a sudden, you have magic here. So I'm very excited to, you know, find out what you want to do with this next, because your growth is about to skyrocket with the, the service you're providing. This is the stage of which these people have never had before. And not only is it a stage, it's information help get these people to heal. So it's it's good on so many fronts. So uh -uh. this is great. So you've had this in your mind for a while. So now what do you see happening here in, say, the next 18 months to three years with Rare Patient Voice? Since that idea and just thinking of hemophilia, when I started, it's like, well, let me do the same thing. I went to the hemophilia conference and I recruited people and uh, and and I thought, well, maybe that's it. I know there's a lot of interest in that field. Maybe maybe I'll see what I can do with people hemophilia. Well, that was wrong. Now we have over 750 disease areas. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and we've done... How short a time. time did that happen? Uh, well, that we I so I founded the company in 2013. So we're coming up on our tenth year. Wow! But over the next few years, boom! Uh, I, and it was just me. You know how these things start. It was just me, and then I had a rule: every if I was working to midnight every night, it was time to hire somebody. So I hired some. I hired my first guy, and then I hired my second. You know, so <laughs> so uh, we brought on more people uh, as we needed them, and um, and now we've done. Um, 7,000 projects and we paid patients out um, uh, $10 million. So it's, it's my goodness. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So if you would kind of run me through the process as a caregiver or a patient wants to yeah. share their story with you, what are the steps they take in order to share their information? Sure, sure. So the first is, is that people sign up with us so we know that they exist. And we, we meet them at a lot of patient events. You know how there's walks and conferences and fundraisers for a lot, so many different disease areas. So we'll attend a lot of those. We work with a lot of the advocacy groups uh, for those different diseases and conditions. And, and, and uh, so people, uh, the first step is they sign up and they give us information. Now, again, we don't share that with anybody. The most important thing is we have their email because that's how we communicate with folks. But they'll tell us what disease they have, if it's how severe it is, when they were born, what treatments they've had, various pieces of information so that when we get a request, we can target them because we don't want to send somebody with lupus a hemophilia study. That's nobody's happy with that. Yeah. We want, hey, if you're hemophilia B and we get a request for hemophilia B, we want to send it to you and say, hey, here's an opportunity for you to talk for an hour about that or to do a survey or to earn $100, whatever it might be. So the, it's really pretty simple from the patient or caregiver's point of view. Just we, They give us the information and then we have it. We, we don't sell them. We don't share it. We don't spam them. We just come out when we get an opportunity from our clients that somebody wants to talk to them. We're like the matchmaker. They have then like a, a privacy policy of what oh. their information uh, will be stored, your intentions with it. And then I think what's, what's best here is it's almost like an initial step of personal care, yeah. not necessarily. It's, this is more like fingerprint to the specific person. 
to speak with a specialist or somebody who can help them through the early part or the stages of where they stand. And, but the idea then of reaching out. So now who are some of the companies that then contact you for the information or how you said you had 750 different industries. So what are the companies that, that look for to get the information? Yeah. And that's interesting too, because the companies that contact us directly are typically other market research firms. They in turn are working for pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, device companies, um, academics, things like that. So we typically uh, work with a, another company because somebody has to do the interview or write the survey and analyze the data. And we don't do that. We're just like the matchmaker. So, and, and the end client, meaning the pharmaceutical company, they're typically not doing that either. So they'll hire a research firm and they'll design a whole way of research. Let's do some interviews. Let's do some survey. You know, they'll figure it all out. And then they'll go, uh -oh, where do we find the patients? And then that research firm comes to us and we'll, we tell them, okay, hey, we can help you with this, with that, you know, and, and, uh, and then boom, we put it all together. Now, I want to kind of step back here because you have work experience with some interesting companies. And what you're telling me, I, I feel like some of your experience is coming back. Yeah. Um, you worked at General Mills. Yeah. And at that time, you did Wheaties, Cereal, Total, yeah. and Kicks. Yeah. Now, I, you know, as a kid growing up, those types, like, you get it better eat your Wheaties. The, the emotional content put in there in the marketing and it's like how you're pulling people together and this type of experience i think it's playing out here and you're creating this platform that it's um very easy to engage uh, the, the rare patient voice is something that is very inviting they're they're going to be comfortable with your method of how you're creating the the their profile for them and and most importantly, an opportunity to heal themselves or get better, but at the same time, they're going to get paid. Yeah. And then the idea of sort of like the like, share, and follow of the internet that we all come to know is placed to your favor here. Because when, when you talk about the types of uh, diseases and so forth, um, you know, I think two out of every three people in the United States have been touched by either being a patient or a caregiver in one capacity or another. Eventually, everybody. Right? So the idea <laughs> of what you have here, conceptually speaking, I think it's just, it, it's going to be exciting to see what happens for you. So how do you see this playing out, say, then with your partner advocacies? Like, who are you um, currently partnered with? And how are you attracting these types of groups? Yeah, that, that's interesting too. So before COVID, mostly we were going to these events in person, uh, patient walks and conferences. And, things. and guess what, right? With COVID, right? Boom, they all disappear. You can't do it. They do it virtually. And if they have a virtual event, who visits a booth at a virtual event, right? You might go and listen to some content, but nobody goes to a booth at a virtual event. Right. So um, we we have this wonderful outreach group that that reaches out. First of all, guess what? Patients know other patients. They're in support groups or it might be relatives. And so we reach out to our patients and say, hey, spread the word. So if you treat people well, right? We pay them quickly. We try to treat them as well as possible. They're happy to spread the word. So that's helpful. Then we reach out to these organizations and, and our outreach team now has over 2,900 what we call referral partners. These are, they could be individuals or advocacy groups. 
their foundations, they, any and all groups that we, re, we reward when they send somebody our way, they can't give us somebody's name, obviously, but they can spread the word. They can put it on their Facebook page. They can tell people, hey, if you're interested in taking part in this kind of thing, go to Rare Patient Voice. So we reward those folks. And, um, and it's been great because they, they kind of, it's a benefit for them and their folks. And we get people all the time. And, and, and they're, this sounds silly, but they're real. But one of the issues in market research that I, I should have known having been in it for many years, there's fraud. There's a lot, I guess any business, right? That there's money and there's a potential for fraud. Well, there are bots and click farms around the world that will fake people and do surveys and pretend. And it's like companies are making decisions on what could be fake, you know, totally mm. made up answers. And so now our people, either we've met them or they've come through these sources and they always, you know, people say, hey, your patients are great. They're real. It's like, they yeah. <laughs> well, in those cases too, it's so much better um, both short and long term for it to be authentic and, and organic. Um, the idea of the inflated numbers is more for, I think, the social side of it. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. So uh, this is moving rather quickly. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of your situation? What are what are some of the things you look for? The key is uh, ear to the ground, I guess. All the things that are happening, all the different, uh, uh, so much of it, um, I thought when we were started, I would go to, there's something called clinicaltrials.gov and it, it's it's a database. You can see what clinical trials are, are going to be happening or are happening. And I thought, oh, well, that's how we'll find out what disease areas to get into. But no, it's, it's not really that useful. We find out by requests. We get requests all the time. And I like the very early on requests. If we get a request for some disease that we've hardly heard of, believe me, in the next two or three years, we'll get lots of requests because as a company works on a treatment, um, uh, there's more and more reasons for them to talk to the patients and, and learn about it. So we first get those things, we'll, we'll pounce on it. We'll say, let's find other groups or the thing. We see what we can do. And then we constantly, constantly build. So a lot of it's listening, listening to, to the, the early requests we get from clients, certainly from the patients. We keep learning things, learning things from them. They really say, well, can you do it this way? Or can you do it that way? Can you make it work on my phone? And so it's, 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 you know, it's funny. That's what we want our clients to do, right? Listen to the voice of the patient. Well, that's how we grow. We listen to our clients and listen. And you got you, you to think, hmm, what does that mean? What does that mean? What changes sh should we be looking to make? Mm -hmm. Our clients, we started in the U.S. It's much easier. You know, U.S., we speak one language. Da, 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 da. Well, clients kept saying, I love this, but we need patients in Europe. Right. We're, we're international. So we finally said, okay. And a couple of years ago, we started building our panels in Europe. So it was one of those things we couldn't say no to our clients forever. So. No, uh, it, it, so let me ask you, so you, you've got a quite a body of work here and you're blazing a trail, basically cultivating a new niche. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left body modern. Contact us, leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. What would you say is the most important thing you've learned in your life so far? It's listen to all these clues and then listen to yourself. I mean, I had a wonderful time at the various companies that I worked with and I learned a lot. But again, this when this idea first sparked in my head, I knew it was something and it took me a while. But eventually it was like, wait a minute, there's something there. Um, 
And it was, uh, you know, listen, listen, listen to that, you know. Uh, so then that leads me to my next question. So yeah. what was life like before this and what's it like now after it? So so life before this was fine. It was typical. I was working for good people, reporting into folks, uh, keep, you know, meeting objectives or trying to meet objectives and things like that, which is fine. But, gee, I didn't. This is like, uh, you know, they kept you out of paradise. You didn't realize what you're missing. Yeah. So I started this. And of course, like anybody that starts the company, it's a ton of work at the beginning, right? Because there's right. never enough people to do everything. And as I said, it was work, my work to midnight rule. Uh, but then over time now, we've got a wonderful team of people. I've got people working on the stuff that uh, I'm, I don't have the somebody breathing down my neck or something in two hours. Somebody else is getting that proposal out or doing that project. Right. I'm more hey, how do we get the word out? How do we support people? I'm, I'm doing, I should say, I'm doing the fun stuff. Yeah. With your education and the trail you were blazing, inevitably going to be an entrepreneur. Um, all the skill sets were there. I think you had a bit of a cheat with your dad being a teacher and then a principal <laughs> and an administrator. You, yeah. you saw the formality of how to put a business together, basically, and didn't know you were being exposed to it, but you, you know, you're too little to know. So then I have a few more questions here before. Um, in this line of work, um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? God, uh, it's so it's so thrilling when when a patient will come to us, we'll see him in person at events, or they'll write us an email and they'll say, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And sometimes I feel a little guilty. It's like, we're not creating a life-saving drug. But if that information can help some company get a step closer, but even better, and more immediate, patients are feeling good about it. They'll say, yeah. you know, it was a cathartic experience. I, my family's tired of hearing me talk because they'll talk to a sympathetic moderator. But yeah. when patients come up and say that, or, or caregivers, you know, parents, kids, or spouses. But that's that reach, that hand reaching out to them instead of yeah. them being looking around, feeling lost and hopeless. It's, now, it's, it's, if it's, you had a billboard and yeah. you could put anything on it, what would you put on it? You mean for the company or <laughs> just as something that will be dear to you? I guess I would say uh, look for that next step. Don't just be content where you are. I mean, so many people are, but that yeah, next... see your marketing skills are coming out. I put you on the spot next, on that, that one. That next, well, that let me, let me soften it up then a little bit. So, I mean, I, I, I would like to know how you would like to be remembered. How would you like to leave your mark? I, I kind of two things kind of mind. you know, that, I read once, you know, Count Basie, right? The famous He's jazz musician, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, well, I read somewhere where he was asked that. Now, everybody always has these fancy, and he says, I'd like to be remembered as a nice guy. And I thought, you know, so many people say, well, no, it's not about being nice because you got to do this, that, and the other. But it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? <laughs> you know, because he accomplished a ton. And so it's like, I don't mind being remembered as a nice guy to help people out, you know? Yeah. No, and the reality is, is nice guys do win. That was a yeah, cliche. No, exactly, you know, exactly. We're we're in the marketing business, and the these cliches have a, a, the people a, a funny people way of wearing to. on. Yeah, and it's they're, not they're necessarily true. I yeah. think we're in the era where the nice guy wins. He comes in first place. So 
I want to thank you for coming by, Wes. This is a remarkable uh, finding that you've come across and now acted on. So uh, I believe that this has just got nothing but a big upside to it. The more well, people find out been. about this and they they know that somebody like you are out there and you're looking for them and yeah. you can help them in more ways than one, that um, this is going to be a huge success for you. And it's good to see. It's fun to see in that growth state, just like you, you beyond broke ground, you know, it, you got the, the branches, you're the little acorn that's about to become the skyscraper big oak. Yeah. So um, the pro, this is as an entrepreneur, always a very exciting part to, to see what's uh, coming around the corner next. So yeah. we'll be watching before I let you go. I would like for you to share with me uh, your social media, your links and so forth. We'll post them uh, on the bottom of the video as well. But if you would dialogue them for me, I'd appreciate that. Sure. Especially for patients or caregivers that are interested um, to learn about us and or sign up. It's simple, rarepatientvoice.com. And everything's there. We try to put every, and, and if we don't, we have emails and phone numbers, please ask. LinkedIn, uh, we're, we're always posting things on LinkedIn for the business side. That's that's Wes Michael or to be honest, is it West? I guess it's under West Michael or West. I'm always on there and I don't even know what, my, what, what we put it under, but you'll find me. There's not a lot of West Michaels. And um, as, as a company, we do a lot on Facebook. We have wonderful Facebook. So rare patient voice. On, on Facebook. That's a good one to be on right there. Cause the concept of that and the like, share and follow, I think they were probably more uh, the founder of that. So when you carried over into your YouTubes and, and Twitter yeah. and so forth, the people were familiar with that. But you make a good point. There's YouTube. We got a lot of stuff on YouTube. Yeah, There's, no, your YouTube channel is great. Putting stuff on TikTok, and I have to say, I never think of going to TikTok, but they when they show me it, it's wonderful little little posts they do on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, seven things. seconds. I mean, for people like you and me, that's <laughs> tough. We got to cut it down. We like to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Again, I want to thank you for coming by and we're going to keep an eye out for what you're doing. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a blast. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.